FM, uh, the sports station for all things Michigan sports. Little lost hit here from the 70s. Leo Sayer, more than I can say. Okay, well, uh, it's about 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And the Olympics, uh, you know, I've had a lot of pre-hype problems that they were all predicting, and other than the water turning green and an occasional security lapse, you know what? The, the big stars have really come through. And... Uh, Donald Trump should have sat around and watched the Olympics a little more. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that the intervention didn't work. <laughs> Yet another bizarre week of Donald Trumpism. Uh, borderline. I don't know what is up with that dude. Well, you know. He needs a vacation. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, as we mentioned before, uh, customarily, uh Candidates take a little bit of time off after their uh, convention. Yeah, and August is a month where people are dealing with the heat. Traveling, a lot of family vacations. Exactly. Nobody's really paying attention to the uh, political situation much. And, and traditionally, you know, Labor Day is the so-called beginning of the of the real campaign. Exactly. Um, I'm starting to, because there is really no sense that can be made of Trump's approach. I mean, the. Uh, well, the bizarre comments about the so called Second Amendment people, which is a strange concept in and of itself. Uh, what exactly are Second Amendment people? Well, I think it's pretty clear. He's talking about Do gun. They eat Soylent Green? <laughs> well, in a Trump presidential future scenario, Soylent Green might be the best that there is available. Uh, but I think clearly it's a uh, he's trying and it's one of those things where he says something and what you don't think it's funny? Well, I was just joking. Well, how it was can he sarcasm. Even say that? I mean, he it's, was shouting at the top of his lungs for a couple of days. And I mean, the, the comments about Obama being the founder of ISIS is just it's bizarre. I mean, it's 
No, uh, Obama has been killing lots of members of ISIS. ISIS is in... Pretty much on a weekly basis. Well, a weekly basis, and they're steadily losing territory. Now, there's right. no question that they, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, moved uh, their operations, so to speak, from uh, northwestern Iraq into Syria, but they've been losing territory now for months. And, of course, the sectarian violence in Iraq itself is part of the reason there is an ISIS. So there is no connection with Obama founding ISIS. Well, and uh, you hear... Uh, or even Hillary Clinton being right. involved with that. Whether it's Trump or Giuliani or whatever, you know, nutbag is uh, uh, pitching this argument that uh, it's Obama and Secretary Clinton's fault that the Middle East has come unraveled. No! No, that was W. Yeah. And Cheney. And that whole junta. And ironically, you know, he was actually kind of given a, a silver platter this past week when these 50 former Republican members of the, shall we say, broadly speaking, the Council of Foreign Relations, yeah. the CIA, uh, the State Department, etc. You can broadly uh, characterize it as the Council of Foreign Relations in a certain sense. The people, by the way, that were involved for the project for the new American century, he was actually given a gift when they kind of came out and denounced him but yeah he, he he didn't bother denouncing them he went after uh hillary clinton with the strange comment about the second amendment and uh which you know it, to me one of the most irresponsible aspects of those comments regard regardless of whether he was quote being sarcastic which i think in and of itself is a ridiculous explanation if you go back and you check... That's not really tape, how sarcasm works. The tone. Yeah. I mean, he's dead serious. Yeah. Uh, and, he, and he was even emphatic about Obama being the founder of ISIS. He, well, the, the Second Amendment thing, he's being sort of veiled and cutesy about it. It's sure. Like, I, you know we're being scrutinized. I'm not going to come right out and say it, but you know what I mean when I say Second Amendment people can take this into their own hands. Which is weird because his rallies are full of these rabid people, but it's particularly irresponsible. And I'm just going to say this as a personal comment. John Hinckley was just yeah, released from St. Elizabeth's, um, which, by the way, you know, historically speaking, was the facility uh, back in the late 40s where Ezra Pound was being treated, huh. quote unquote, treated for mental illness. Ezra Pound broadcast fascist propaganda from Italy during World War II. Make a long story short, Ezra Pound had these sort of romantic attachments to Mussolini and uh, foolishly uh, broadcast radio propaganda during World War II on his behalf, uh, used a mental illness defense and right. was, quote, treated at St. Elizabeth's facility in uh, the Washington, D.C. area, and was uh, pretty much allowed lots of liberties, as they say, uh, because he was a famous esoteric poet, uh, intimately connected to T.S. Eliot in many, many ways. But, um, <clears throat> I, you know, the, the attribute, the, 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 the week that just happened, and of course, Trump's giving a speech about ISIS this week that I'm sure will will get most of the facts well, wrong. Well, this afternoon he oh, spoke he in Ohio, yeah, and uh, one of his uh, positions, because he's trying to stake out actual positions rather than just denouncing uh, Clinton, uh, 
uh, at one of his uh, proposals is that, uh, hey, we can link arms with Russia in the fight against ISIS. Um, this, of course, is not too surprising because he seems oh, to, uh, oh so willing to cozy up to Putin and Russia. Uh, in fact, there's some revelations in the New York Times about a mysterious cachet of cash money uh, with Paul Manafort's name on it coming out of the Ukraine. It's perhaps looted from somewhere. Uh, He's on the ledger, yeah. Yeah, this, this ledger has appeared. Uh, but uh, Russia's not really fighting ISIS. They're supporting Assad. Yeah. He's their man in Havana, and they're, so to speak. And, and they're supporting... That's all they're looking for yeah. is to prop up their regional strongman. And he, they're supporting him because of the tr traditional uh, relationship between uh, Assad's father and Russia. Uh, there's no question that in the 1970s, both Syria and Iraq were uh, Soviet client mm -hmm. states, so to speak. But uh, Russia still, by the way, has a, uh, a facility in Syria that they're, quote, protecting. Now, the carnage that's going on in Aleppo is extraordinary uh, from a humanitarian perspective. And indeed, there have been uh, lots of negotiations between the United States and Russia about the Syrian situation. But just this past week, by the way, another area near the Turkish-Syrian border that was part of the porous... Um, reality of how refugees fleeing the wars of the Middle East, and there are many of them. And, of course, Trump gives the suggestion over and over in his uh, speeches that Obama's been doing nothing when, in fact, Ob Obama is, has basically bombed seven countries in the Middle East using drones. Or United States client states, so to speak, are doing the right. bombing. Like, there's no question that Saudi Arabia is heavily involved in Yemen, uh, which is also a humanitarian catastrophe. But ISIL's uh, suicide bombing tactics, I think, prove unquestionably that they are losing. It's well documented that they have lost uh, about 50% of the territory they held um, sort of at their apex, which was about May of 2015. And they are losing on the ground. But uh, it's going to be not a situation where uh, there's going to be a negotiated settlement and a peace treaty signed uh, on uh, the deck of the USS Missouri, i.e. Japan. Um, the emperor of Japan, by the way, wants to abdicate, and I would— yeah suggest that Donald Trump, <laughs> who thinks of himself as an emperor, might want to apply for the job. I don't know that they'll have him, though. No, I can't see the, the Japanese embracing uh, that kind of an emperor. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the other thing that's been popping into my mind throughout this last week and the bizarreness, the continued bizarreness of the uh, Trump procedures uh, is that you know, we still don't really know what he's got in his mind. Um, we may never know. But in a year and a half from now, people may be thanking Donald Trump for driving the Republican Party off of the cliff. Yeah, and I don't I don't even know that they know what to do. It's it's ironic. It's clear that they don't. Yeah, they're 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 at a 
sort of they're in limbo as they say they don't some of them are have clearly abandoned the ship and have publicly denounced Trump um, and even said that they won't vote for them. Many of them are coy and say, well, I'm not going to vote for Trump, but I'm not going to vote for Hillary. Right. And it is interesting that in a number of these states where Hillary has built up a little bit of a lead, uh, a couple of weeks ago I said, well, she's up by a field goal, has the ball in the third quarter, and she's running the ball. To use a football analogy, whereas Trump is a quarterback who is dropping back, fumbling the ball. He's the reincarnation of Roman Gabriel. He's throwing interceptions, and he's a disaster. And normally a coach yanks the quarterback out of the game. When Put they the backup in. When they're <laughs> playing that poorly. Uh, there's kind of a point where you would, the you know, the intervention, which, you know, I mean, was amusing in and of itself that the, the three main interventionists for the Donald Trump situation were Newt Gingrich, Rudolph Giuliani, and Chris Christie. Um, even a couple of them are, quote, outside the mainstream of the Republican Party. And all three of them really unlikable. <laughs> for their own reasons. For, for their own separate reasons. All have yeah. run for president, incidentally, uh, and not done well uh, for <laughs> different reasons. Uh, that in and of itself is almost comic. Um, what can you say? I mean, you know, the Republican Party had their chance to reclaim their party and their sense of propriety and decency at the convention. Uh, but they said, well, you know, we don't want to fight and argue at the convention because we want to come out unified. And I guess we'll unify behind Trump. But. A bunch of them already knew they weren't going to be able to do that, and uh, they should have known he would continue on his uh, cavalcade of gaffes. <clears throat> but uh, they allowed their party to be taken over by its right wing, and that's what what they've got. And they were warned, ironically, uh, by Mitt Romney, you know, back yeah. back in March. That, that Trump was was a disaster and that they should reclaim the, the Republican Party. And, and in fact, it's fascinating how the National Review, even dating back to February with the so-called intellectual wing, the think tank uh, milieu of Washington, D.C., that claims that the Republican Party are the, are the party of ideas, which I've always found a little strange because— most of their ideas have never proven to be all that successful. Uh, Trump, of course, had an opportunity um, here in Detroit uh, last week with his uh, address to the Detroit uh, Economic Club to uh, get back in the game. But that speech was inadequate. <laughs> it was dull. It was a campaign stump speech that contained very few details and a lot of formulaic uh, economic policy that's never worked. I would say the one interesting development from all of the economic uh, speeches from last week, both of which uh, were problematic for their own different reasons, including Hillary's, uh, was that we have an agreement on infrastructure. The problem is Congress is AWOL once again. Mm. And 
you know, the, the most recent uh, economic uh, jobs report it, it is really not that bad. It's one of the better ones uh, in quite some time. You know, 255,000 jobs created. They upwardly revised uh, job creation in both May and June. These are bad signs for Donald Trump. Uh, of course, they're talking about low growth. Well, look, America is a mature economic country at this point. We have 324 million people. Our economy is always going to grow slow at this point. Um, and even issues involving growth, uh, I think, are, are questionable. You, you can grow the economy in America if you, well, fix the infrastructure, right. for instance. Um, something that Hillary reiterated in her speech. Um, it, you know, it's interesting that there are going to be only, what, three jobs reports until the election. And I would say barring a uh, cataclysm of some sort, um, Hillary Clinton will be in pretty good shape on the jobs uh, issue. Uh, there are even signs that <clears throat> take-home pay and income are going up slightly in some sectors. And one fascinating detail from the, a month ago's job report is that there are 5.3 million jobs in the United States that are unfilled. Many of these are jobs in, in, in this high-tech, uh, sophisticated manufacturing that um, uh, Hillary Clinton mentioned in her speech uh, to the f Futurama, or what was it, futuristic? <laughs> <laughs> I kept thinking of the cartoon. Right. <laughs> Futurama. Good news, everyone. <laughs> I was wondering if uh, <clears throat> Tricky Dick was going to make an appearance. Oh, from his jar, yeah. His jar. <laughs> Uh, of course, now the one thing that could conceivably aid Trump, I believe, are these unpredictable events around the world involving terrorism in which there's a, some veiled suggestion that somehow this is the fault of either Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or both. Um, it's quite clear to me that just before the Republican convention in early July when we had a spasm of some incidents in uh, Europe, including the Nice bombing. I'd like to point out that that uh, deranged individual was not much of a Muslim, uh, allegedly <laughs> smoked, drank, and enjoyed pornography. His uh, little truck incident in Nice, by the way, he killed a third of the casualties were Muslims. Right. So uh, this linkage to ISIS with, with this individual, I think, is... Well, and the Orlando such. linkage to ISIS is also ridiculous on its face. The I, guy was cruising a, a gay nightclub. <laughs> I think so. Um, and, of course, uh, <clears throat> the FBI, now that they are done with the provocative email server <laughs> of Hillary Clinton, uh, have moved on. Uh, by the way, uh, we hear a lot about the emails. Uh, th this email scandal, quite frankly, has gone nowhere. Uh, Hillary Clinton has made some foolish statements about the email controversy. She should just leave it at the FBI uh, statement by Comey. But I wanted to point out what some of these so-called confidential emails 
are actually all about. Um, there were three confidential emails. One is unknown. One informed her that Kofi Annan was stepping down as special envoy, attempting to mediate the war in Syria. And the third was about Clinton's forthcoming telephone call to Joyce Banda, the newly inaugurated president of Malawi. Secrets here? <laughs> um, in other words... Most Americans uh, couldn't find Malawi on a map if you put a Second Amendment person in front of him. Right, and, and this is a memo telling, you know, reminding Hillary about the forthcoming call. It's like, okay, so what's the secret? Um, this is a something that diplomats do. What is the... The, the idea that, okay, Kofi Annan is stepping down as special envoy to the, because he's been trying to mediate the Syrian war. Okay, Hillary Clinton probably got this information uh, two hours before the media did. Right. So what? <laughs> I mean, there, there just isn't anything there that they can grab onto that's real. Now, they, they love to keep mentioning the private server and the email scandal. I quoted that uh, confidential email stuff from an article in the uh, uh, August 11th edition of the London Review of Books. But what amused me even more was a special letter to the editor from Michael Neal from London about this fascinating word, trumpery. <laughs> Elliot Weinberger, the letter uh, uh, writer, writes, If Elliot Weinberger still finds himself perplexed by the Republican Party's selection of Donald Trump as its presidential candidate, it need no uh, look no further than the OED for an explanation. Trumpery. Noun. Definition one. Deceit. Fraud. Imposture. Trickery. Two. Something of less value than it seems, hence <laughs> something of no value, trifles, worthless stuff, trash, rubbish, applied to abstract things as beliefs, practices, discourse, writing, etc. Nonsense, rubbish, applied contemptuously to religious practices, ceremonies, ornaments, etc., regarded as idle or superstitious, D- Showy but unsubstantial apparel, worthless finery. <laughs> That's uh, pretty accurate. You could. This is almost like a Monty Python skit. Yeah. Well, there's one other British uh, <laughs> use of Trump as a verb. Of course, we're all familiar with the card, you know, to Trump in a in a game of bridge. But uh, Trump is also a British expression for farting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so I think that fits right in as well. Yeah, so uh, that letter to the editor, by the way, in the uh, London Review of Books, August 11th edition, the most recent copy. So, yeah, I mean, it's just kind of mind-boggling to watch this train wreck continue. <laughs> and I don't know, can there be a second intervention? <laughs> or a third, or a fourth, or, you know, God... It, can we just have the election next week? Put us out of our misery. Move on through this. If I have to hear Trump say one more time in a sort of a, 
you you can feel him sort of, yeah, I don't want to say this, as he says it. And you can tell by the way he says it. Sure. Uh, whenever he says the LGBTQ community, <laughs> he like breaks it up into the, it's like he doesn't even want to say it, but the Republicans realize there's a lot of votes there. We have to pretend to care. The Republican Party has never cared about rights of gay Americans. Uh, you know, Dick Cheney's daughter notwithstanding, uh, they fought tooth and nail to prevent marriage equality. Sure. Uh, that was the single issue that uh, Karl Rove, the canned ham, uh, used to... Uh, to get work, out the vote in 2004. Get out the vote in 2004 was the gay marriage thing. And, so, and of course, recall that Newt Gingrich, when he was Speaker of the House... Uh, back in <clears throat> essentially in '96, that's when the GOP introduced the Defense of Marriage right. Act that they convinced Clinton to sign. Bill Clinton, that is, because of the reelection. Uh, we're going to force him to do something he doesn't want to do because we, we can override the vote. Yep. We can override uh, his veto if he wishes to veto. And what did that actually accomplish? Let's give Newt Gingrich a round of applause. Because what it actually accomplished was the right to sue in court. Yeah. So the courts then began hearing cases of <clears throat> involving discrimination and laws because they went out of their way to single out attacks on, on gay people through the non-existent institution of gay marriage, which didn't exist in a strange way until Newt Gingrich created it. <laughs> in other words, they're banning something that doesn't exist. Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's that perverse, but it's almost poetic justice that the intentions, and it, of course it shows how things go so terribly wrong uh, sometimes in politics with, with misguided... Uh, zealotry in well, the wrong direction. And it's also a failure to read changing times, changing demographics. People under a certain age just really don't care about sexual orientation anymore. It's, right. It's a sort of a, an advancement that we can, I think, be proud of as a country that uh, it's not such a big deal anymore. And, of and, course, uh, it was being legalized, so to speak, uh, in, in many Western European countries Right. In the 90s. And this is probably another reason why his polls are showing, uh, as of this afternoon, that uh, Hillary is blasting uh, Trump out of the water with so-called millennials uh, who favor her 56 to 20. Right. Well, I've even seen some polls that Trump is fourth amongst the younger millennials, that he's actually behind the Libertarian candidate, and uh, Jill Stein, the, the Green candidate. It's quite clear, by the way, that in a number of these southern states that have suddenly, uh, it's been reported that they're in play, Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, Arizona, which is not a southern state, but uh, a bastion of republicanism uh, throughout most of its history, are allegedly toss-ups. Trump is in trouble in Utah because of his... Uh, religious uh, confusion about the second, uh, the First Amendment. He's definitely not a First Amendment person, uh, but he is a Second Amendment person. And I, I just don't think at this point that Trump 
is going to be able to manufacture enough white Americans who are bigots, racists, right. and clueless to win the election, barring a miracle. But it's fascinating to me that a candidate like Gary Johnson, who is beginning to poll in the upper single digits, 8 9%, is definitely hurting Trump in many of these southern states. Um, I would argue that North Carolina may go to the Democrats once again because of the libertarian candidate. I pointed out a couple of weeks ago that in 2008, when Barack Obama narrowly won North Carolina, Mitt Romney won it back for the Republicans in 2012, there were quite a number of libertarian votes that were mm. the difference in the margin of who won and, 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 and who didn't. And if you sort of extrapolate the the power of the Green Party versus the Libertarian Party at three to one, the Libertarians getting about three times the number of votes as the Greens nationwide, you can see that this will hurt Trump probably a little more than Clinton uh, in some of these states that are allegedly key to the election. But when you see that Trump has got big deficits in the key toss-up states you pennsylvania pennsylvania ohio florida you you have to conclude that barring a spectacular performance in the debates he's in uh he he's in a hot mess heck uh you have to wonder about uh the chances of Gus Hall, the perpetual communist party candidate. No, he's dead now. But the ghost of Gus Hall might do better than Trump in some states. <laughs> well, Gus Hall, my recollection is that he even denounced Gorbachev at the end. When yeah, Gorbachev yeah, he did. was uh, sort of negotiating the end of the USSR. He was uh, still a true believer. Um, of course, uh, how that was going to. Uh, work out for Gus Hall at that point, one never knows. But yes, the socialists are on the ballot all over the country. You never know. Uh, and you know, there are a lot of people who are sick of the two-party system. Uh, let's face it, uh, it's got its problems. Uh, of course, some of the European and certainly the Israeli model where you've got a lot of coalition governments with you know parties having to form alliances. Italy, for example, has had a, pretty much a new government almost every other year, in some cases several times a year. So, you know, the coalition system of multiple parties is not necessarily better than the two-party system, but uh, maybe what we're seeing is the beginning of a, tend, uh, a trend towards uh, a multi-party system here at at home. Well, certainly a reorganization of the uh, of the GOP. I don't think there's going to there's there's there can be no question that this at this point that they need to be reorganized in some sort of fashion just because of the destruction that Trump has created. Reince Priebus. And of course, you know, America's two-party system. Uh there there've always been wings within the parties. Sure. So I I would argue that at one point in the say the 70s there really were five parties uh the democrats had a conservative moderate liberal wing the republicans still had a liberal wing mm -hmm. uh, along with the more traditional uh conservative wing but that those wings have been clipped here and there 
uh, for different reasons. And Bill Clinton, I would argue, is uh, one of the one of the maybe tragedies of the whole 2000 election was that the the Democrats had j 